Welcome to the Occupational Safety Leadership Podcast, episode number 95. In today's episode, we will sit down and talk about job hazard analysis. Um, today's episode will focus on the steps only. After we get down the steps in future episodes, we'll really sit down and break down. Uh, we'll, do a, we'll do a couple of um, scenarios. Uh, we'll look at the controls. We'll, we'll do all that stuff. But today, really more of just a uh, introduction into just how do we do this and then well well first off the benefits that um i've always found that there's a benefit there uh we want to buy stuff safe we want to buy equipment safe we want to train people we want to do that stuff but really when you break it down in a step by step i think i've always been able to find something that we can do uh and like all things uh sometimes there's a really big bang bang for the buck and other times it's more of a whimper uh, but I've always found something. So let's, let's just kind of dive right in on this thing. So basically, if we're going to look at a, a strict definition, a job hazard, a job hazard analysis is also known as a job safety analysis. Sometimes you'll see those words kind of inter, inter, intermixed, uh, although it seems that job hazard analysis um, kind of seems to be the more prevalent term that's out there. So basically, it's a systematic process that helps identify and mitigate potential hazards associated with a specific task. And so we're not going to say that we're going to do a job hazard analysis on a factory. We're going to look at the specific tasks that folks will do inside of that factory. Then, really helps to uh, sit down and and, um, and look at the things that some people take for granted as just a hazard, as just kind of part of the job that you can make better out there. So there's going to be a couple of uh, steps associated with doing a job hazard um, analysis. Some are going to be the actual hands-on, doing it, talking to folks, where uh, others are going to be the um, behind-the-scenes admin things that have to go on. So let's just kind of sit down and break it down. So the first step, of course, is to sit down and figure out what job that you're going to do. You know, I like to look at the ones with a high a high risk, ones that we perform on a frequent basis. Uh, in an ideal world, I just do every single one, and I call it good. But there has to be um, a strategy to it. Uh, I certainly don't want to cover things uh, that don't seem like a, a very big hazard. And that doesn't mean that I don't get back to it. It just means that I'm really going to focus on the things that seem to have high hazard, high risk, a higher chance of maybe being injured, those 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 types of tasks. And then I'll focus on the ones after that appear to be um, appear to have less hazards. Um, assemble a team is going to be the second step then. So um Typically, of course, I always have the person who's going to be doing it. I like to have the person supervisor there as well. You know, I also try to get a maintenance person because the maintenance person can really help out with uh, when I get a call, I have to fix the following things. Now, that doesn't mean that's not not a separate task, of course, you know, but we can but but we can also sit down and break it down and figure out. So why does something keep getting jammed in the same spot? that the operator then has to do and of course if the operator can't do it the maintenance person then has to do so i think i think it also helps to get a lot of the different perspectives out there step three we break down the job so this is where we just do a step by step 
uh, focus on what the job is. Some steps are really, I mean, I mean, uh, jobs are really easy. I show up, you know, I sit at the uh, line and it's running. And as long as everything is green, it's good. If it's not green, it's, then something else has to be done. Whereas others, you're loading, you're entering things onto a computer, you're manually doing gauges and levers and things. So, so this is where we really sit down and kind of break it down. Then look at a couple of the other hazards out there. I mean, uh, steps. The fourth step is, so this is where we're going to sit down and look at the actual hazard themselves, at, you know. There's a lot of um, different hazards that we can find, but if we kind of think about the big hazards out there, you can have a chemical hazard, uh, the ergonomics, uh, a biohazard, if you're hospital and that kind of stuff, then there's also going to be those physical things. Is it a pinch point? Is it a crushing? Um, so this is where we're going to look at the different hazards out there. Step five, we look at the consequences. Uh, basically, um, if something goes wrong, somebody is injured, what's the um, the consequences that can happen from this? And this is where I like to add a little bit of sanity into um, um, helping out with this, um, um, sitting down and helping out with this task. Um, I have run it into folks, super big heart, but they will tell you that uh, with every job, there's a potential of being killed, you know? I don't know if that's really true, you know, um, I have um, uh, encountered groups that said that you can just uh, die by just walking down the hallway, you know, and and in their scenario, you know, the, the person falls, they hit their head and die, you know, well, that can happen, of course, and it does happen out, out in the world, but let's just kind of sit down and kind of add a little bit of sanity to it. Um, and really kind of say, well, what could really go wrong and what could really be the consequence here? Uh, I try not to step in unless I really have to on this one. Um, and also when we look at, we look at this too, we want to look uh, also at property damage. Is there going to be a chemical spill? Just things that can also happen that maybe a person isn't injured in this thing. So, so the consequence is low. Uh, still cost time, still cost money. Somebody has to go back and fix this still. So just, just those, all those, um, all those consequences. Step six, we want to look at that likelihood that it's going to happen. You know, there's a lot of tasks that we do all day, every day. The likelihood or probability that the hazard is going to lead to an accident out there. Uh, there's others that, of course, um, uh, the hazard can happen, but uh, Boy, you would have to have like the right the right set of circumstances lined up. So not that the likelihood isn't there; it's a whole lot less. Finally, we look at the risk assessment itself. Then you know, so how do we look at severity and how do we look at the um, likelihood of something? And um, I like to put a number to it so that I can I can then go back, of course, and say. Um, and you can either say that you want it as a golf score, you want you want it, you want a you know, number that's low, or you want a number that's high. It depends on what you want to set up out there for your for your scheme, of course. But I like to have a way that I can have a number uh, the number to it, because at some point, uh, if everything um, is a is a super high, you have to say I can only tackle the following things now, given the time, the resources, and everything. 
doesn't mean it's not important. And this is where I kind of come up with my list of, of these are going to be the wines that we tackle. And of course, as we tackle, you could say your top five, when you, when you tackle one of the top five, well, now there's another one that's now taking its spot, of course, too, at the same time. Step eight, we look at uh, implementing those controls out there then. So um, I like to use the engineering controls so that we're not, we're all flawed humans. We're not thinking of, um, we have to turn this dial and my foot is going to do this. And at the same time, my right hand then presses a button. And so I like to do um, engineering things because as a flawed human, we, we often forget to put on things like PPE. It's not convenient. Maybe we think we can, can get away without putting on things like PPE. So I really think of PPE as just like a absolute last. Um, you've done everything you can, engineering controls. You've done your training, your procedures. You've done everything you possibly can. Then you think about that. You know, PPE never fits. It's uh, uncomfortable. It's hot. Sometimes you can find stuff that's really good, but uh, boy, that's it's. It's hard to find a one glove that really works for a lot of things out there. Next one, we're going to uh, communicate the findings out there. So it doesn't do anybody any good to go out and, and do these assessments and then uh, not bother to tell anybody out there then. You know, it's also a very big tool um, so that they, they see that you're trying to tackle safety in a positive and proactive light. You're not sitting back with your feet up on your desk, and then when an accident happens, you spring into action and then go fix something. You're doing everything you can up front to make sure that nobody gets hurt out there, you know. Um, and I also think that it really helps um, the workers to know that when they bring up a concern, their concern is heard, and then, of course, you act on that concern, and that is within 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 reason, of course, uh, because there's going to be times where a concern is brought up and it really is not a concern, but you still have to go back and communicate to that person so that they really know that you took it serious and not just uh, went back to your office and said, yeah, I'll do it, and, and nothing happened. So the 10th step, we're going to go back and um, review and update also. Um, so conditions will change, you know, when you upgrade equipment, maybe maybe you even downgrade equipment. I've never heard of that out there, but people have told me that they do that. Um, you can even, uh, let me have to go back and look at this when you update software. So as we automate more and more out there, where um, the software also has to be uh, automated and changed. Uh, um, uh, parameters are going to be broadened. Uh, so, so we're going to go back and look at it because it's just not a static document. We just don't do it and it never gets looked at again then. So um, 11, we also have to train and supervise then. You know, we just can't do this stuff and say, um, so we're going to work on some training. All right, you guys are all good. You know, somebody has to go out there and track it and go back and verify and I like to have the supervisors do that, of course, because that's really what supervisors do. So if I have to go back and um, make sure that supervisors are doing what supervisors have to uh, do, um, I probably don't have a very good work work environment for safety. So I want supervisors to do what, what they have to do in this. 
Step 12, this is where we kind of get into the admin things. We, we're going to look at uh, at records out there then. you know, has to be a way that we're keeping this in a uh, record, kind of like here's the job and the task, and here's the initial score. Here's all the things that we put in place. Um, we looked at engineering stuff, admin, any form of PPE, uh, and then that brought the score down to or up to, depending on, of course, which 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 way that you're going to go. So here's our initial score, things put in place, and then here's our final score then on this. And then finally, uh, the very last step, continuous improvement. You know, I like to really go back and talk to the folks after we put these controls in place um, because some people are going to be a lot more apt to come forward now and say, oh, well, now that I now that I, I see things are being done, I'm willing to speak up, up then. Um, I have run into folks that uh, appear that they have been almost beaten down in the workplace. Maybe they brought up some great things in the past. Everybody just brushed the whole thing aside and, and eventually in their mind they say, I'm just here to work and then I leave and I don't do any input. But more you can like literally talk to the folks who do the job. You know, um, you're going to find a lot more opportunities out there. And then finally, with 13, of course, oh, I'm sorry, we already talked about that continuous improvement process that we're going to do then. So, so just to kind of wrap up this whole thing, then the uh, job hazard analysis is an integral part of the uh, organization's safety uh, program out there, you know, really helps to help promote a good culture in the workplace. Um, I've gotten fantastic results from this. Um, I have done ones at times that I really thought were going to be um, super high hazard, and uh, we really did a great job of buying the equipment up front, doing everything we possibly could. And so not that the hazard wasn't there. Um, it just was not to the severity uh, that we really thought that it was, you know. And that is it for today's episode. Um, thank you for joining me today. This is episode 95, Job Hazard Analysis. And the next couple of episodes, we'll sit down, we'll break down the different scenarios out there. We'll go through a step-by-step. -step. Now, of course, we're going to have to uh, um, uh, skip a couple of parts, you know, or uh, forming a team, we're doing this, we're doing that, and just say, ah, so here's the scenario, here's what we chose, and just really sit down, break it down, and make things better out there. So episode number 95 is complete. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Dr. David Ayers. Thank you, and have a safe day.